The first rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The third rule of Fight Club Minute, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the minute is over. Fourth rule, only one guest to a minute. Fifth rule, one minute at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes. Seventh rule, minutes will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first time listening to Fight Club Minute, enjoy the show. I am Jack's 19th minute. I start with Marla doing her homework on ascending bowel cancer, and I end with Marla writing her number on Jack's hand. I'm your host, Bubba Wheat. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, who might die at any moment, Lance Stanford. How are you doing today? That is the truth. You, you have no idea. I'm doing <laughs> good. Um, I'm trying to think which cancer is my favorite, and I, maybe there's so cancer? many to choose from. Yeah, I don't know. And let's not make, make a big thing of it, but our guest this week is Dylan Fields. How are you doing today? I'm thankfully not suffering from cancer, so I'm doing pretty well. That's always a plus. And, you know, before we get into today's minutes, I, I like to start out, you know, asking all of our guests, what is your history with Fight Club? I like, I know that it's, it's been kind of a favorite of yours for a while. You are correct in that assessment. Yeah. Um, if my memory serves correctly, and I think it does, but it has been 24 years almost, uh, this movie either came out or I saw it initially on my birthday in 1999. And I liked it so much, I went back and saw it again the next day. So, you know, that's a pretty rare thing, just kind of in general to see a uh, film multiple times in a movie, or multiple times in a theater for me, but to do it the the uh, in consecutive days, even more rare. Um, yeah, it, it shot quickly to the top of my leaderboard or something like that and it still resides i would say it's a top three to five of my favorites all time nice yeah it's no it's it's a great film i mean (laughs) clearly i think so because i'm spending a year talking about this movie (laughs) yeah i would hope so i hope you like it if you do spend dedicating that much time to it for sure yeah the only movie that i've seen like back-to-back days in the theater was um in-game when it came out, I saw it like Wednesday night, I got invited to a press screening and then I saw it Thursday, Friday and Saturday just because. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I'm also like where I live, everybody's like, okay, I need you to go so you can explain to me what happens. So <laughs> I'm like, if you'll pay for the movie ticket, I'll go see it again. Like I have no problem with that. So, uh, but I, that being said, I like Fight Club better than Endgame for sure. Yeah, I, I think the only movie I can remember <laughs> seeing twice in theaters was Apollo 13 because I, I saw it with my friend and then I went to visit my sister in uh when she was living in Arizona um and I saw it with her it's the only movie you've ever seen twice in a theater I think so not to take us too off target but my my it's not something I do often and especially not since I was 25 but um I I saw Pulp Fiction six times in the theater, which came out, I was a freshman in college. 
who was not really attending that first semester of school. <laughs> so it, it just dovetailed perfectly. Uh, not surprisingly, also in top three of all time of my favorite films. But yeah, yeah I, I think it's multiple times. Like I'll usually go see it and then go see it with my wife. Um, like I saw, as of this recording, Barbie just came out and I saw it and it's great. I'm going to go see it with my wife next week. So yeah. So it's a regular occurrence for you. You're the polar opposite of Bubba Week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I sit somewhere in between the two of you. I don't, I don't, I don't think I've seen a movie twice in a theater in at least a decade. I think like Harry Potter or something was the last time I did that. But Barbie, maybe. I don't know. We saw it last night. It was, we, we thought it was pretty great. Yeah. And, you know, jumping into this minute, we... We start at the basically the end of this child childish conversation that we talked about, you know, a lot last week about splitting up these support groups. And we get to the almost forgotten ascending bowel cancer. And I feel like this this conversation has a few good points, but it also raises a few questions. One is that, you know, we first meet Marla when she comes into the testicular cancer and she says, this is cancer, right? And here, Jack says, I want bowel cancer. And they they both are, you know, basically talking about cancer in the same dismissive way. And and I think that's, that's nice that we, that they don't even realize it, but it's, it's a way that really connects these two characters together and kind of shows in a way that they have similar personalities. Well, and the little beat of the, the woman behind the counter, like when he says, I want bowel cancer, like that's just a nice little. <laughs> comedic beat on it uh it's great but yeah the the way that he's dismissive of it but again this is how he's been saying you know her lives reflect his lives and with him being like that he he thinks he has the high ground just because he's been there for over a year at this point but uh, yeah at the end of the day he just he doesn't care i was just gonna say he realizes that his his lack of control over the situation his ability to go at all outweighs his ability to control uh, her and her behavior it's like it's more important to him to split, give it up than to not have it to, to, to go and have her there and therefore ruining the, the whole scenario for him yeah and, and i think the other point about this is something that i think is easy to miss and you have to read a bit more into it and that is that jack apparently didn't think that marla knew about this group which I think that means that he hadn't seen her come to that group yet, but she still knows about it. So that that makes me think that Marla, that this fighting over, you know, the bowel cancer group in a in a way is Marla just messing with Jack. Like she doesn't really care about that group because she doesn't go to that group, but she just wants to take it away from Jack. I I think he'd seen her in all of them. And he would only bring up the ones to split that he had seen her in, don't you think? Yeah, that, that's why he says that, you know, that she thought that he was, you know, hiding, you know, trying to skip, uh, avoid talking about the bowel cancer group because he hadn't seen her there. And so he thinks that she doesn't know about that one. That's why he says that she's, oh, she's done her homework. I, I think he'd seen her there. I think it was just a matter of uh, just trying to let it slide and, and hope that nobody brings it up and I'll just take that one. But who knows? I like how you mentioned it was a childish thing because, you know, adults, when, you know, they, they split, it's usually 
even when it's not amicable or not friendly, like they're still, they handle it. But this is very much like children fighting over toys. Like, well, I want, I want this race car and I want this race car. And instead of, you know, adults will be like, okay, I'm doing this and this and you're doing this and this. And that again, just goes back to like, we, we talked about um, a few weeks ago of the way they quote unquote flirt with each other is very much how children do, you know, pull your hair, push you down. Like they don't, quite understand how to uh, be close to people and show affection to people so they're they're fighting the you know fighting slash flirting the way toddlers or young children do which just goes on in this scene yeah and then i love how marla does take a moment to consider the offer before she agrees to it and then just walks off you know says how's this for not making a big thing of it which is a line that I I love. And then she just walks off. And then we get more of Marla in the middle of traffic, as Jack suggests that they exchange numbers. And of course, his his reasoning is that he, you know, in case they want to sh- switch nights, but I think it's pretty clear that his in that he has this inner struggle between being fascinated by this woman while si- simultaneously being annoyed by this woman. And he doesn't want to fully lose contact with her on a subconscious level, even though that this whole conversation is about avoiding each other in the future. Well, and I like how she pauses to think about that offer too, when he's like, yeah, we should change numbers. And she's just standing there like, should we? Okay. Uh, and I think that's uh, the quote starts in this minute and then finishes in the next one about, you know, the tragedies that she doesn't die. And I think that's her like, weighing off weighing out like mm, what's what's the worst case scenario here and i think her worst in her mind it's like i mean maybe maybe i get laid by this guy or something okay fine whatever now like he's still in proper narrator mode he hands a business card over and she just like tears a pen off and writes her number on his hand showing you know the differences between them because i mean we see later on that Tyler uses business cards and things and so I think that's kind of a a thing like that may be I'm curious what business card he gave her like was it the paper street like which or was it like his from his actual work you know I, I'd well, be curious I actually have a note about that you, you can like you can't see it very clearly <laughs> but you can see the the logo that that we'll see later this week the the kind of uh, almost like a u-shaped logo like the kind of two leaves that are you know one's a little bit higher than the other um and it's actually you know i found um let's see i'm some deep diving right here (laughs) dedication i I like it enhance enhance i can just see you now i'm trying to (laughs) zoom in on the business card well I, i what i did was i actually found um like a a prop place that uh, is selling the prop of the business card oh nice and then i found kind of like kind of a clear screenshot of it and i just sent it there in the zoom chat so you can see it oh nice. Oh, so it is the recall coordinator one yeah <laughs> and it's uh fmc federated motor Corp- corporation <laughs> which is the company that he works for and it it doesn't have his name. That was going to be my guess for the record. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't make sense to be Paper Street yet. Mm-hmm. Any of these business cards in general are 
I mean, you know, nowadays you see fewer and fewer people use them. Um, I don't know. I I can still box about business cards strangely, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's still, you know, the fact that it's kind of like a recurring theme in in this movie is like, like I said, with Tyler using them and then with the narrator using them here and. But that's also like a late '90s thing too, so I don't. I mean, I was gonna say American Psycho. We got business cards at the <laughs> forefront. That was that was what a year later. This was just a high time for business cards in film. Yeah, it, it feels like, and in, in the, which is kind of ironic because it seems a decade late. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, it it feels like you know in the in the early 2000s especially about the only use for a business card would be to drop it in like uh, local sandwich places (laughs) to win a free lunch sure sure (laughs) and nowadays i don't even see that i was in i was on a trip and they had a a fishbowl to win a golf bag i don't golf but it was um it was a jameson like the the whiskey was a jameson golf bag and i was like that i win that and yeah you had to drop your business card in so i think that's the only reason i keep business cards is is for that like i still have i still have a box of like a thousand from a website that i did uh 10 15 years ago i need to <laughs> dig those out and start dropping them in fishbowls <laughs> no other use for them yeah yeah and, and i i I do love that, you know i i have the exact same note about this contrast of their personalities with uh, Jack writing on the business card and Marla just writing on her hand because she is absolutely the, you know, I'm just going to write it on his hand. Even if he had another business card, she would still like just ignore the business card and write it down on his hand. She does not play by society's rules and he very much does so kind of at this point. Mm-hmm. And then again, we get some like we end this minute with what I kind of feel is like some opposing narratives in in a way because the the opening narration uh, or the the narration says this is how he met Marla Singer even though you know this is the end of their meeting scene uh, like he met her you know five minutes ago whenever she walked in the door and said this is can- this is cancer right yeah but I wonder if it's like this is. You know, like this is the the little sub story of how they met, and so we tell this story. Meet cute, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's like I don't know why my mind went here, but it's like in Super Troopers where they, oh, you know, they get locked in the the truck and they open it. And he's like, and that's how I got herpes the third time, and it's like <laughs> it's the end of the story, but it's all you know, it's like, and that's how it happened, you know, and that's that's how I ended up with this scar, you know. So I think it's kind of how they book in the stories. Like this is how I met her story 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 and this is how i met her and i i think that's kind of the to me that's how it was there's like a framing device within the the meet cute i agree yeah and i also think that that you know he's getting into her philosophy of life which that is kind of a contradiction there as well because it it starts off as kind of a positive like slightly positive way you know she thinks that she could die at any moment which you can read that as a positive you know kind of like live each day like it's like it's your last in a yolo right is that still a thing do people people still say yolo (laughs) ironically yes (laughs) (laughs) i'm old i don't know how i don't know how to use yolo appropriately (laughs) yeah i mean either i I think it's already came and went and they're off to something else and but then 
you know, we, we don't get the full quote in, in this minute, but, you know, it, it ends with um, her saying that the tragedy of her life is that she doesn't. And so that basically flips it around and makes the saying more of a negative and more of, you know, a more depressing, more morbid, which basically fits that fits with the rest of her personality. And on top of that, you know, that this isn't something that we've seen her talk about. And this, we get the impression that this is more or less the entirety of the conversation that they've had to this point. And the fact that he knows about her philosophy basically implies that they have, you know, conversations in the future. Even though this, again, like like I've been talking about, this whole conversation is about them never having to see each other again after this. Whereas that information clearly implies that they have a relationship after this. Meanwhile, I'm just sitting here <clears throat> uh, picturing the various ways that Marla Singer might uh, utilize the phrase YOLO, either <laughs> dep depressingly or otherwise, but probably more on the depressive side, like, damn it. But the Lonely Island did a, song, a YOLO song where it starts off like, live your life. Have y'all ever heard it? Oh, yeah. It, yeah. No, great. I haven't. It starts it's a off. T.I. Like, song? Uh, it, no, maybe not. That's live your life. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good song. But yeah, Lonely Island has a song called YOLO, and it starts off like, you know, yeah, have fun, blah blah. But as the song goes, it's like, hey, you only live once. So you need to invest in real estate. You only live once. You need to make sure that you do this, and then it just takes a complete one eighty. <laughs> and at the end, it's like YOLO stands for you ought to look out, you know, because you only live once. And it's and I feel like that's weirdly appropriate because it's. Like her life isn't, you know, I only live once, so I'm going to go on cruises and stuff like that. It's like, I just, I'm going to die at any time. So just whatever happens, happens. And it's not comical, but it's not sad, but it's, I, I don't know. It's, uh, they do a really good job of like threading that needle of you feel for her because it's like, oh, you, you know, you have this outlook that you could die at any time and that's sad, but then she embraces it. So you're, you're kind of, happy for her and probably like okay you know that, that's your philosophy and that's what how you live your life and it makes her i think a, a better character because she's not just one note you know she's like yeah i'm gonna die but who cares and i, I don't know i think that's part of the reason that marla has lived on so long you know um she's more than just like the manic pixie dream girl she's like the manic depressive pixie dream girl or something and she's <laughs> yeah she's and but she hasn't, at, at least at this point, she hasn't gone, you know, full on Tim Burton character. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's uh, trying to think of another character in film that is as mentally broken as Marla, but portrayed in such a light tone. Like she's basically comic relief. And yet yeah. she's this severely flawed individual and just kind of. It's been a while since I've seen it, but the uh, I can't think of what the the movie's called right now. But the um, uh, Angelina Jolie in uh, Girl Interrupted. Girl Interrupted. So this this probably gets us some some hate, but hey, uh, no such thing as bad. I would uh, the the girl from Frozen who's just like gonna marry the guy after first meeting him <laughs> and doing all that, and everybody else is like you can't do that, you're crazy, and she's just like no, I'm gonna sing and song and marry this guy, and then uh, you know it's kind of on a children's level, kind of the same thing. Like, 
Jeez. Yeah, throw some suicidal ideation in there, and that's basically Marla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the other sister in Frozen, the one who like wanted to live by herself and not be, yeah. <laughs> so Frozen is about Marla's split personality. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. There's your, a, a good article to write right there. <laughs> Frozen Club. It, but it's it's great because, you know, even though she is, you know, very morbid and depressing like she's never there's always like this positivity to her there's a light tone to her, yeah. her her dialogue and her exchanges with him and all that even though she's basically yeah she's uh she wants to kill herself and she or and not maybe not actively but at least yeah, it's, passively. it's not yeah she does she doesn't she doesn't want to commit suicide but she doesn't care if she dies so, at any moment yeah but in a way, like from her perspective, it's it's a very, and, and we'll talk about the, you know, I have a bit more notes on this later. Like she's very nihilist and and that. I was going to say she was the queen of the nihilist. <laughs> and that is, you know, if, again, that that's this connection that she has with Jack slash Tyler Durden, because they, they are both very much nihilists as well. But in a fun way. <laughs> <laughs> I think I disagree that about Jack though. He's like the opposite, isn't he? I think this is a, this without is... his support groups, he is. But with the support group, as long as he, like, when we first meet him, I think he kind of is. But then once he gets plugged into the support groups, and then later the Fight Club, and stuff, I think that's what balances him out. But I would say, like, at the first of the movie, you know, when he like he has insomnia and he can't sleep and he's just, you know, going to the car wrecks and doing everything. He's he's you know, when he's looking at the dead bodies and making jokes about how the uh, the skin charred on there. And... But, well, that's not him making the jokes if we're going to get technical. True. I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking of, like, the life that's presented for him at the start of the film with his apartment, as meticulous as it is. This is a man who cares about everything, at least in terms of presentation. Maybe not about his own psyche, but uh, at least outwardly, because materialistic and capitalism parts of this film etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's his whole journey is trying to let go of all that right yeah, yeah it's about him buying things not because he wants them but because he's supposed to have them which yeah. i i think is a very nihilistic view of it and a more depressing nihilistic view rather than the the more you know uh you know he's like the depressing nihilist uh tyler is the the anarchic destructive nihilist and Marla is just like she's a nihilist that is just is okay with it. It's like it's like the, the lawful good, lawful neutral <laughs> like that's spectrum. The, yeah. Marla's she's in the middle the, of that. You know, people are referred to as uh uh he's an actor's director or he's an uh, director's director. Marla is a nihilist's nihilist. Yeah. Yeah, the Jack is like the lawful neutral uh Marla is the true neutral, and then Tyler is chaotic neutral. I'd subscribe to that. Yeah, that's. Uh, but that's that's all the the notes that I have for this minute. Do either of you have anything else? I I don't really know. Yeah, it's I'm... it's not it's 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 not the most action packed minute. It's 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 pretty much all dialogue. Um, yeah, I mean, you get some good little beats about you know the whole "Don't make a big deal of it." How's this not for making a big deal? <laughs> and yeah. It's it's one of those lighter minutes, you know, like you do get a couple of comedic beats 
um, in between, you know, like we, the next minute, it's a ten, or the next one, we, you know, we get big clues as to like the overall mystery of the movie, like who is who. So this is one of those like kind of breathe for a second and then pay attention type minutes. And I, I mean, I like these minutes though, because it, it does break things up a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, thank you, Dylan. Um, you know, I, I know you don't really have any anything to actively promote, but uh, if, if anybody else, you know, if, if you have any social media or, or, you know, the past stuff that's still online, you know, I'll, I'll give you the moment to promote your work online. Uh, you can find me on MySpace. No, I don't, I don't have anything <laughs> to plug, but thanks. <laughs> All right, then. <clears throat> This is Fight Club Minutes, and uh, we are on all the available podcatchers. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, even though I'm at this point, I'm less active on Twitter. I'm more Instagram and threads is what we're seeing. Of course, you know, we're recording this a few months early. So when this actually airs, who knows if, if, the, <laughs> if, if that's going to be threads is still a thing. <laughs> Um, but the, you know, you can find me on Bubbleweed on you know anywhere. You can just search Bubbleweed and you can find me. And we are also a part of Rabbit Hole Podcasts, and uh, there's a lot of great podcasts uh, about music, movies, books, uh, and whatever. It, it, it's all there. And we are also currently doing a uh, still in the middle of a contest. Uh, we would really like to see some reviews for this podcast to to help build our presence. Uh, the main one is still Apple Podcasts that that allows the written reviews. But uh, any podcatcher that allows the written reviews, if you take a screenshot and email it to fightclubminute at gmail dot com, once we hit twenty five submissions, we will give a random entrance a. Uh, a copy of the Fight Club 2 graphic novel. And if we somehow manage to hit 50, we will uh, give another random winner a copy of Fight Club 3. And, uh, you know, and, until next time, this this is Fight Club Minute, and we are ending this podcast one minute at a time. Well, let's not make a big thing out of it, okay? How's this for not making a big thing? Hi, I'm Jason Soto. And I'm Lisa Leahy. And we're the host of Between the Scares, a podcast that takes a look at every movie that Blumhouse Productions has made. You may not recognize the name, but they have made some of your favorite horror movies like Paranormal Activity, Ouija, and Insidious. Yeah, Jason, but they've also made stupid movies like The Fever and Best Night Ever and Hysterical Blindness. Yeah, those two. But they also did Whiplash, Get Out, and Us. And we're going to cover it all. Hey! Did you know that Jason Blum also produced that Gem and the Holograms live-action movie? He did that? Uh-huh. Ugh. Fine. But then you have to watch The Green Inferno. Uh... So listen to Between the Scares on Anchor, Apple, Google, Amazon, or our home location at rabbitholepodcast.com. <laughs>